It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, uh, welcome in everybody. Nice to have you with us here on the PJ Show. I'm Patrick Johnson, and uh, here we are on a Tuesday. Back at it, thanks to uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington for producing. Intern William, nice young man, that intern William. Good boy, that boy. Uh, On another day, we'll get to know intern William a little more closely. Today, uh, we've got a lot of stuff happening uh, here. Uh, Coming in the hour, the bottom of the hour, Marty Smith is with us, uh, ESPN reporter uh, and uh, radio host. Uh, Marty Smith's got a new book, Sideline CEO. He'll tell us all about that uh, coming up in a little bit. Uh, We'll also have a pirate report, some comments from Coach Houston last night. Uh, And uh, right now, some breaking news that uh, was hitting around this time yesterday. And uh, I can tell you it was uh, kind of the talk of Eastern North Carolina for the last uh, several days of the talk, of, uh, last several hours, and uh, the talk of sports as well. And this is the uh, decision by the NCHSAA to strip Newburn High School of their 4A football championship last year. Uh, Earlier today, Q Tucker with the High School Athletic Association held a press conference. Now, a lot of this was uh, more to do with uh, the state taking over running the NCHSAA. Uh, But uh, a couple of cuts about this from Q Tucker, including uh, she get, well, let's start with uh, 18. Well, no, let's let's start with 16, uh, Pilk, where Tucker talks about, the Newburn football situation hit it. I guess it's a litmus test in this way. That ruling was issued yesterday. Will we have someone who steps forward as a, as a legislator and tries to get involved in that situation um, and, and say that, well, we, we were, we went too far uh, and, and really try to walk us back that could be the litmus test. Now, to date, I've not received any any indication that there is any legislator who is who is going to reach out or or want to do something along those lines. And then uh, the team is on probation this year. What that probation means, more from Q Tucker. Well, probation in and of itself simply means that the NCHSAA staff, as we continue to do what we do, we'll, we'll just be watching. Um, we believe that Craven County and Newburn High School have done their due diligence. They're on the right path to move beyond this. And so they have said, here are the things that we're going to do. They've shared some things that they have put in place. So all we'll be doing is just watching. All right, uh, Q Tucker from earlier today. Uh, We go to the phone line now off the jump here on the PJ Show. Live with us is the uh, host of The Blitz on WCTI News Channel 12, uh, big-time news anchor on Channel 12 and on uh, Fox Eastern Carolina. Our pal Brian North is uh, with us here. B North, thanks for joining us. Of course, P-Man. Uh, I apologize to your intern for having to be your intern, by the way. I don't think he knows what he got himself into. <laughs> no, I digress. he does not. 
He does not. Uh, hey, let me ask you uh, this, Brian. Uh, how, what what has been was was this expected? It seemed to to me to kind of be out of the blue yesterday. But you're down there. You have your finger on the pulse of Craven County. So was this was this an option on the table that was believed to have maybe occurred? Uh, it's been talked about behind the scenes for at least six months, maybe longer. I don't know if your show is long enough to, to go into the in-depth explanation of all the craziness that's been happening in Craven County uh, when it comes to football and when it comes to this latest ruling and the vacating of the, the state championship. So there was rumors of them, uh, whether players were legal or not. Even during the season last year, there were a couple of student athletes who had borderline grades, but everything at the time had checked out. But you have to go back a couple of years to really get to the heart of this problem when the principal at Newburn High School, Jerry Simmons, uh, had something put in his file by the Board of Education that he did not like. Apparently, he received a couple of um, metal detectors from a booster to kind of help with security, and Board of Education was not happy with that, that he didn't go through them to, to get it, and they put something in his file. Well, he didn't like it. He wanted it out of his file, didn't think it deserved to be in there, and then he sued the Board of Education, and it's been a contentious relationship ever since. Well, Jerry hired, of course, Tory Nowell, the football coach. And through this last year, um, there became allegations that came out in March that Jerry Simmons possibly started changing grades for, for some student athletes to make them, whether it's um, eligible for college or to give them passing grades. Those accusations started in about March, uh, the rumors of them anyways. Nothing right. happened until... The lawsuit that Jerry Simmons filed uh, was thrown out of court in May. Then all of a sudden, everything started hitting the fan then. So then uh, Simmons and the guidance counselor, Heidi Ricks, were suspended uh, with pay mm -hmm. while an investigation was put into place. They never said what that investigation was, but all inside sources tell you it was about the possible changing of grades. But when you look at the state law, the state law says the principal has all final say when it comes to grades and is allowed to change grades based on need for a student in certain situations. So nothing happened with that. Simmons then retired uh, effective July 1st. Rick stayed on suspension. Tory Nowell got a job somewhere else at Hillside, the head coach. And then we didn't hear of anything until last week when six players within the program were deemed ineligible, and they found out mm -hmm. hours before they played Jacksonville. And so then Newbern had its 21-game win streak snapped by Jacksonville, who was the better team on the field that night. Whether the, the missing players would have made a difference or not, I don't know. Uh, that started this whole process of what is going on here. So then they found out that two of those players were not ineligible. So one was reinstated to the JV team, one to the varsity team. And so okay. then we heard rumors that the uh, Craven County School Board had alerted the NCHSAA. They were self-reporting about what they said were academic, uh, ineligible student-athletes from last year based on academics. Mm -hmm. That's when the NCHSAA reviewed what was submitted by Craven County, and Craven County basically said, we want to vacate the state title, and Q Tucker and the NCHSAA just said, okay, if that's what you want, go ahead and do it. They did not do any investigation themselves. That's not what they do. That's what they've never done. They've always just taken the recommendation of the county school board, and that's what they did in this case. Now, the question is, were there actually ineligible student-athletes? If your principal is allowed to change grades, 
the guidance counselor in question has said that she thought everybody was eligible when she was put on suspension. She did not know of anybody who was ineligible to play sports. And so then there became this attendance policy that the NCHSAA does not enforce anymore, has it for almost 10 years now. And so Craven mm. County is saying they had several of these student-athletes that are now suspended, did not follow the attendance rules, but you can't find clear attendance rules in the Craven County handbook. Uh, they're buried in there, and there, there are two different rules, and so it hasn't been enforced in the longest time, but now it seems to be. So now we have this vacate of the state title, and now we have waiting to see if they will have to forfeit these wins, but no one's sure what that next step is going to be. We're waiting for the superintendent and Craven County Board of Education to make the next move on this. Well, Brian North is with us here, uh, and he laid out beautifully what went down yesterday. Um, so this kind of washes the hands of the High School Athletic Association, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, everybody, I think, was quick to, to hop on cue Tucker here, and there's plenty of things you can be critical of with the High School Athletic Association, and rightfully so. I don't like the idea of lawmakers getting involved in running high school athletics, but I do acknowledge that the association needs to have, you know, perhaps an overhaul. That's a story for another day, though. Um, but what you're saying is they're just going on the recommendation of the school board. Yeah. So I guess the, this begs to, to, to ask, Brian, what the hell's going on with your school board down there in Craven County? Because they've stripped the team. I mean, you know, the Havelock yeah. people aren't going to like this, nor the West Craven people. But they kind of s- stripped the flagship school uh, in the county of its, uh, with a lot of history of its state title. Uh, and, you know, then they were jerking uh, Caleb King around and Havelock. Correct. What, what, is, what the hell's going on down there? So that's, that's the million-dollar question. And what has happened is there's been a divisiveness between the three schools who all of a sudden are pointing fingers at each other when none of them have anything to do with this. But there's this divisive culture that's been created. There's been a lack of transparency. There's been a lot of accusations. There's all these things that are happening here that, that no one is quite sure where it's coming from. And so we have never been shown actual proof of these ineligibilities and then you throw in there are certain circumstances that go along with not every kid comes from an affluent two-parent home and there are reasons why some kids are absent more than others and so whether that's right or not no one knows what the actual rules are and then well they're trying to figure out so here's what example that was pointed out to me by somebody if you took mm-hmm. the kids that were at newburn high school and put them at havelock and applied same rules or you know they would not have been ineligible because each school takes those rules and interprets them differently and has different ways to then mediate the process to get those kids back in good standing so you have three schools under the same umbrella who are doing things three different ways and so no one's quite sure where the hell the, the whole self-reporting thing is coming from outside of the guidance of the superintendent and the school board who if you believe rumor and there seems to be some substance to it, several years ago started to want to seem to get football under control in Craven County where they thought it was counterproductive to the learning process, although there are people who will tell you football is what helps the learning process for a lot of these kids who otherwise would have zero interest in school. So there's this difference in philosophies right now, and I just no one's really been on the same page or been a leader out in front of this whole thing. The superintendent, Wendy Miller, has done some of it. 
Uh, she has tried to explain some of it, but there have just been a lot of gaps in the transparency of information, a lot of it hidden behind privacy laws and unable to talk about uh, each individual person's case or what goes into it. So there's one student who's accused of missing like 60 days of school, which sounds absurd until you find out right. they were homeless. Their parents oh, were incarcerated. They were kicked out of yeah. the subsidized housing they were living in. They had no place to go. And so, well, they still go to school, but yeah, they had no place to sleep. They were just dead. So not that I'm situation, but where was everybody to help those kids when they were in that situation? And, and no one was there for them. And that, I think, is ultimately the whole travesty where everybody failed the system at this point. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, so you mentioned the, the principal Simmons retired. He has the leeway, according to your understanding of the rules, to change grades. Yeah. Uh, now has left and I guess has got out of this thing kind of scot-free in a sense, but I mean, what is his culpability in any of this? So that's the big question. So he was eligible for retirement in July 1st and he planned on doing that all along. Uh, when you Google the or principal, look up the state law, the principal. state state law the pr- says the principal, right? Yes. Principal, principal Jerry okay. Simmons, yeah. been the principal for, I believe nine years. Um, when you look up the state law, the principal has final say in the grade. And whether now but, you can debate all day long what about whether now, that's though? right or wrong. What about Tory now though? And I and I don't know him like you know him. I, you know, yeah. we covered TJ Long and I covered Pamlico in the state championship game, and he was already it was a done deal he was going to Newburn. I, I didn't think he yeah. handled that very well. Uh with those kids in Pamlico County, but he you know, I was parachuting in and doing a, a football game and getting out of there yeah. and so what? But, you know, I mean, where's his culpability in this? It seems like he would know what's going on. So, and and this is the whole thing of the gray area of what is allowed to help students in certain situations. What is best for the student athlete is ultimately what the question should be, right? What is best for the student, not even the athlete? Well, nobody, everybody says they care about that. Nobody at any level cares about that. If they're telling you they care about that, they're lying. You know they're lying because their lips are moving. And I'm talking about high school, college, the whole nine. So I I can tell you firsthand that, that Jerry Simmons has bought kids clothes, bought kids meals, help find places to live. I, I can tell you that Jerry Simmons has done some of those things in the past. And whether you believe a principal should be allowed to change grades to help a kid or help them become eligible for their, their betterment, that's a whole philosophical thing. State law says he's allowed to do that. So um, with him, uh, most people will tell you they think he was trying to help student athletes. Now, Tori Nowell, I, I don't know if I can speak as much for him. Tori's a good family man. He has a wife. He has a daughter. He's always been good. But Tori's always been ambitious as well and, and you know, trying to move up the coaching ladder and, and wanted to win and win his way. Um, I don't know if, you know, if there are people who will tell you that he and Jerry created a culture that allowed the kids to maybe not be as accountable as they needed to be. They were given a little too much leeway and given a little too much help when they needed to draw the line further up again subject for debate where is that line what is it every kid's situation is different um the attendance policy that really has been an issue here um with a lot of kids missing in the spring semester uh that's been a whole other thing that goes on top of it and where were the adults saying you know getting class and and there was some adults the, the, the seniors that graduated were given a pass 
on those absences so they could get their diplomas. Now, some had to go to summer school to, to fix some grade issues, but at one point, all the graduating seniors were given a pass on attendance. If that's the case for them, why was that not also granted to this other class? So it's just this, this lack of consistency in where the rules are and what is being enforced and what isn't. And maybe the school board saying now is enough is enough, but there's still a lack of transparency as to the, the whole process and how it's being carried out and why certain people are being identified when they weren't in the past. All right. Uh, last thing for you, Brian, and I appreciate your time on this. And then uh, I'm sure there's a lot more to come. It sounds like there is. So in our first cut, we played Q Tucker in this uh, press conference she had today to, to talk about how unfair it is that the law uh, makers or that the state is taking over the high school athletic association. It seemed like she said, if a lawmaker wants to get involved and, and overturn this. It seems to me that that would not have been a great comment from Tucker because, again, as far as she's concerned, she's scot-free on this because she was going at the recommendation of the school board. Do you think that there will be any appetite for a lawmaker from that region that represents that county uh, now that this is a state-controlled entity to to get involved and and maybe uh, reverse this thing? Because this this also seems like even – it just seems like a really – extreme penalty yeah um well steve tyson would be the guy he's a representative from the newburn area former newburn football player himself grew up in this area has been here forever he would be have to be the guy that does that and i i i would have to talk to steve to get his feel for that this is all relatively new this territory we've seen that state pop try to get involved this is how this whole process has happened with the nchsaa coming under the umbrella of the state government because of an upset politician over some ejections that happened in, in his area, and he was not happy with the team being forced uh, out of the postseason. So the precedent is already set to a degree. Well, what becomes the legalities of this, and what becomes the legalities when it comes to the school board and the superintendent and what they're allowed to do and enforce and what, what rules they have? So, look, it's, it's a whole new wild, wild west if that's going to happen. Um, certainly, I think everyone you know, agrees... Not, not, go ahead, Brian, because uh, uh, I, I was just going to pull up on something. Certainly everyone, everyone agrees there needs to be better, pol- clear, understood policies with transparency and accountability all up front. I think that's been lacking in this whole process. Is no one is quite sure what the rules are, why they're enforced sometimes, why they're not enforced others, and why this is happening now without a clear accountability by, uh, by those who are in charge of making these yeah. decisions. You know, the other thing I was just going to say, it, it seems to me that the if the now that the high school athletic association is being run by the state, that entity could say, all right, we're going to recognize them as the as the state champs because it's our association uh, and they want it on the field. And I could see a case where the school system says we will not acknowledge them as state champs and we don't want to see any right. banners or, or signage. I mean, that would be. But I mean, it's already a nasty, sticky situation. So, Correct. gosh, this yeah. is never a dull and, moment, and the, is it? Yeah, no. In this, in this city, had already paid for all these signs commemorating all the state championships Newburn's ever won. So, I guess they're going to have to get some spray paint and X out the last one or something. But it's Jeez. it's just it's been very divisive. There's been a, a lack of education on this. Like a lot of people don't know a lot of the rules or the laws or the things that apply here. We're all kind of learning on our own here as we go without the help of the leaders in charge who just kind of feels like they're just trying to get their ducks throwing kind of 
have everything fit their agenda here as, as they they're up ahead of it and just trying to fill in behind them uh, the wake of, of getting everything to fit in their role. That's what it feels like. And until we can get some more clear-cut answers about these things, uh, this is going to be a hot topic of debate in, in Craven County, which is a football county. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Safe travels. All right. See you, people. Then. All right. There he goes. Brian North, the Blitz, uh, 11 o'clock on Friday nights on News Channel 12. Uh, Pilk is going to have some baseball scores coming up for you. The playoffs began today, and uh, we'll get into that. Uh, but when we return, a pirate report, and uh, Marty Smith still to come today on the PJ Show. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, interesting stuff for Brian North there and a story that is uh, far from done, one would think. Uh, all right, Coach Houston last night on Inside Pirate Athletics. We'll get to a few cuts here today and uh, a few more tomorrow. I believe, Pilk, they are having a post-practice uh, presser with Coach and the uh, coordinators tomorrow. So Thursday we'll have some fresh content. And stay tuned. We're gonna uh, we're, we're probably going to have a big guest on Thursday in addition to Jim Zoki. So... Uh, we're going to be getting uh, to uh, that. We'll announce it on social media or uh, if we get it confirmed before we leave the airwaves today, do it. Uh, but uh, stand by for that big announcement either today on social media, or, uh, definitely uh, by tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. Big guest for Thursday. All right. Um, Coach Houston uh, talking about uh, just the close losses and uh, being so much better in many categories than the Pirates were against Rice, and it's just a tough pill to swallow, that seven-point loss. Hit it. I thought we did some really good stuff. Um, I thought we moved the ball well between the 20s. Um, you know, the drive to come out and start the second half was a, a great drive to, you know, to really take control. Uh, you'd, you'd claw back to get it to a one-point game there at halftime uh, and to come out and drive the ball like that to get it down there first and goal from the three. Uh, you really feel like you're getting ready to take the lead, start the second half, which has huge momentum. Uh, and so that one, yeah, that one really hurts right there. Uh, more from Coach, and this is uh, on the uh, pick that Alex Flynn threw. They were in man coverage. Um, we we should have gotten that guy blocked. He shouldn't have been able to get to Javius. Uh, we were probably a little bit quick releasing uh, on the nose guard, and he got in Alex's face pretty fast. Uh, now Alex can't you can't throw that pass blindly. Now, if we get the linebacker blocked, there's nobody anywhere near him. I mean, that's going to be a big play. Uh, So I don't think necessarily the play call was a a poor play call as much as we didn't do a great job executing it. So we got to, you know, we got to coach that up better. And, you know, we got to hold that nose guard for another another count before we release him, which gives Alex just a a couple of couple of you know second longer uh, before he has to throw it. And then, you know, if, if they are in man coverage, we got to do a good job of screening that guy and not letting him, you know, be able to sniff that out. But it was, you know, it was a great play by the linebacker there from Rice. And uh, Coach Houston on the importance of the corners on this year's team. They are, they are a reason why we are improved this year defensively because, you know, you do have guys out there that can cover. And I'm, I'm, tell, I, I'm telling you, he, they're both going to play better every week. Antoine Jackson is going to improve every single week. Uh, a couple more here, uh, Coach Houston, on what they plan to rep at practice during the bye week. 
scout portion of practice is going to be versus SMU stuff. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to spend you know each day special teams. You know, hit a couple each day. Uh, we're going to work all of our late game situations, special situations. You know, all the stuff, the random stuff that you don't have time to work. You know, traditionally you work them during preseason camp. Sometimes you you try to hit a couple late in the week each week, but you don't have a chance to really go in depth on all of them. Try to hit all those this week. All right, uh, and uh, coach says we'll probably get through six here, Pilk, uh, on working in some of the younger guys throughout the week. Uh, that'll be something else they'll be doing. With the four-game redshirt rule, we have you know a good freshman class. I think some of those guys could help us later on in the year, uh, whether it be on special teams or you know wherever. Um, so we're going to you know spend some time with those guys, just a little bit extra of you know letting them you know get in uh, you know just legitimate stuff, running our stuff kind of deal, working them some on special teams. And he says uh, a big emphasis this week will be on finishing drives. You got to look at how we can do a better job of finishing drives, and that, and that's you know because that's been an issue. Uh, you know, getting getting touchdowns instead of field goals, and so you know, we're 25 yard line in, goal line short yardage. Uh, those will be big emphases this week. All right, uh, and uh, that is today's pirate report. I guess this would fall under a pirate report uh, too, Pilk. Uh, we we've got confirmation of our uh, of our big news that uh, I was telling you about uh, earlier. Let me find what I'm looking for here to. To give this the proper, uh, the proper intro that it needs. Hang on, uh, well, ah, here it is. Stand by, everyone. A little breaking news for you. I've got to position this board a little differently. All right, uh, we are going to have Holt Nailers on Thursday's show. So the uh, all-time leading passing leader in the AAC will be on the program. Uh, we will announce details tomorrow of where you can view that program and how you can consume it and all of that. Uh, it's probably going to be a split video uh, airtime here on the uh, on the uh, radio station kind of deal. But Holt Naylor's breaking news will be with us on uh, Thursday's Patrick Johnson show. So looking forward to having Holton on then. Okay, uh, right now, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 the game. Sports Flash update, then we'll talk to Marty Smith about his new book, Sideline CEO, ESPN's Marty Smith in the wings. We'll talk with him right now. Here is Philip the Ref Pilkington. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. The Pirates are off to a rough start on the gridiron. There are a lot of questions surrounding the offense. One of those is not the character of the two quarterbacks. They both have done a great job of supporting each other uh, and you know, it's, that's, that's special. Uh, they are, they're as good a human beings as they are players. And, uh, and, and they, they both, they both deserve the opportunities. A lot of other news going on in pirate athletics right now. The Ironwood Classic just finished up. That was a men's golf event. Lucas Augustin brought home the tournament, and the Pirates finished second as a team. Lucas shot 15 under for the entire tournament, going 9 under in the first round, 5 under in the second, and 1 under in the third and final round. Moving into more pirate athletics, ECU soccer player Abby Swalt 
Sawa, excuse me, has been named to the College Soccer News Women's National Team of the Week. This comes off the heels of Sawa being named the AAC Defensive Player of the Week. Against FAU, she played the full 90 minutes and assisted a goal that was scored by Sydney Chanel. And against USF, she was a big part in the Pirates' seventh clean sheet of the season, and she also added her first goal of the season on a penalty kick in the 77th minute. The American Athletic Conference has announced that swimmer Kaylee Hamblin has been named the Swimmer of the Week for the conference. She took home a pair of individual victories over the weekend in the 1 and 200 meter breaststroke, as well as being a part of the 200 meter medley team, which also won their event. Today, Q Tucker the director of the High School Athletic Association spoke on a law that would give power to the Board of Education to govern high school athletics and said this handcuffs the NCHSAA. This legislation handcuffs the NCHSAA. It handcuffs the means through which the association can raise funds. It prevents the NCHSAA from giving grants and scholarships back to students in schools unless they are donor directed. In other high school sports news, Last year's 4A state football champion Newburn has vacated their title. This comes after an investigation was opened by the North Carolina High School Athletics Association to, into the teams playing players that did not meet attendance requirements needed to participate in high school athletics. The Charlotte Hornets have announced that they will have a jersey patch deal with Mr. Beast. His logo will appear on the team uniforms as well as the media backdrops for the news conferences. Looking over at Major League Baseball right now as the wild card round is underway, Texas currently leads Tampa Bay 4-0 in the bottom of the eighth inning, and the Minnesota Twins lead the Toronto Blue Jays 2 to nothing midway through the third. They'll do it for your 94 3 the game sports flash update and pie report on the other side of this timeout. ESPN's Marty Smith will join the P Man. Serve. We are. We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's showtime. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94 3 the game. Marty Smith, one of the most popular and charismatic figures along ESPN sidelines and reporting for the uh, Worldwide Leader, joins us here. Got a brand-new book out, Sideline CEO, Leadership Principles from Championship Coaches. Marty Smith joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. It's nice to have him on uh, with us. Marty, I hope you're well. Congrats on the book. And and, uh, I got a lot of things to ask you, but first, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you for the platform. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing okay. You know, uh, I've talked to a lot of people that know you, a lot of people who have interviewed you, a lot of people who have worked with you. And I say, is this Marty Smith guy for real? He's always so positive, and uh, he's always so energetic. And they say, what you see is what you get with Marty Smith. And that's refreshing to hear in a lot of ways. Well, that's an interesting perspective. Um, it is kind of funny, I guess, when you try to lead with kindness and lead with joy and be grateful for your blessings, um, that people uh, people might question your authenticity. That's funny. Um, well, I, and I'm not a cynic. I just – you, but you always seem so up. You always seem so up. And uh, in a business where it's well, easy to get cynical. Well, I lost my parents. Yeah, I lost my parents very young. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I learned really quickly uh, that you can – like it's interesting the compass you lose when you lose your parents. Mm-hmm. And so I learned really quickly that I had two choices in life. I could be insecure, which I have been, uh, certainly through ego driven insecurity at times, but the old adage comparison is the thief of joy is there may have never been a truer statement. And so I sort of recalibrated the, the person I wanted to be. 
and I I tried to look at it like every single second is such a blessing to be on this side of the dirt. Mm. And if we're not using it to try to be a light in the world, especially someone who's been uh, as fortunate and blessed as I have, then uh, I'm just not doing it right. And so that's just sort of the approach I've taken. I mean, every single day you control kindness, effort, and passion. Nobody defines that for you. Nobody decides that for you. You do. And so that's just the way I live my life. My kids are tired of hearing it. <laughs> but when they're when they're 35 years old, they're going to go, you know what? Damn it, Daddy was right. Yeah. Marty Smith uh, with his ESPN reporter. Uh, brand new book out, Sideline CEO, Leadership Principles from Championship Coaches. Is that the piece of advice, Marty, you give? Because I'm sure you're – because uh, you're approached all the time by young broadcasters. I, I've, in fact, I mean, people have told me they've approached you uh, for advice or, or, you know, to, to get some guidance. The, the comparison is the, th- is the thief of joy is, is one that, because you know, we're about the same age, it took me a little while to figure it out in the biz, you know, and you just run your race. And I wish that that would be the one that when they say, if you go back and there's one thing you could tell, your young who self, that would be the good one there. So is that the, the big piece of advice you usually give young people well, in the I, business? Yeah, I think, I think I would give other people different advice than I would give myself because I don't know their inner workings. I don't know their emotional and mental strength. I only know mine. And I know that my greatest insecurity my whole life was that I like to be liked. And so I would go back and tell my younger self, do not invest in outside opinions the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that about myself. Um, there are people I've said that to in the very recent past who actually you say that's your superpower. It's that you give everyone <laughs> a chance. It's right. that you find the good in everybody rather than try to seek out some sort of flaw or whatnot. But I would say that to me, to these young people who ask me all the time, the funniest one is young broadcast journalism students who have southern accents and they're they tell me their professors are imploring them to go to some sort of diction school to lose it and they go well that guy didn't and i love that i think that's quite an honor that they would point at me uh, it still baffles me that some people uh question the authenticity of my accent too as if this <laughs> accent is beneficial in broadcast journalism but um, nonetheless, I, I would just, I would tell the, the young people that if you can't like find your voice and be true to that voice, because if you are authentic, then you will, you will experience the joy of success, not the relief of success. Mm-hmm. There's so much anxiety that comes with relief. And that's what I would tell them. Uh, joy, joy and relief are not the same emotion. Uh, Marty Smith is with us. The book uh, is essentially a, it's not a sports book per se, although a lot of the lessons are derived from from coaches that you've covered. Uh, but it's a book that seems like it would be applicable for anybody in, in the world of business or just in the world in general. Absolutely. And that's uh, that sort of was the whole reason I wanted to do it. I wanted to take these 20 individuals who've achieved at the absolute pinnacle, there are 55 national or professional championships among the 20 individuals that I interviewed for the book. 
and they have done it in an uber high pressure, massive budget, win or you're gone format. And that is applicable to business leaders all over the world. I've even injected a lot of this wisdom into my daily walk as a father and husband. Mm -hmm. The main way being process over outcome. I tend to project what I want for my children rather than helping them on a daily basis become their best self. And that then also goes back to that goes back to that uh, joy versus relief thing. And ultimately, this is not a sports book. They just they happen to give me their wisdom and I get the blessing of being the vehicle or conduit to the masses. I don't care what your walk of life is, path, goals. You can absolutely and will, I believe, take tremendous wisdom from those pages. The book is uh, by Marty Smith, Sideline CEO. It's available wherever you buy your favorite books or, or download them to uh, a Kindle or tablet. Uh, Tim Tebow is going to be in Greenville later in the month is uh, one of the people. Oh, he wrote the forward of the book. Uh, you know, it, it touches on all of the hallmarks that I think are effective, whether you're, a, you know, a CEO or just whether you're in any kind of business. The big one I always see is communication. And, you know, there's the joke, there's no communication in the communications business, and sometimes there's not. Uh, but that, to me would be, at least in my experience, is the most important pillars is communication and maybe communicating expectations. Uh, who did you... I went in... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go I'm ahead, sorry. Mark. I went into the book uh, trying to be open-minded. Um, I've always believed that trust was the number one foundation principle of any relationship in order for it to move forward. But I will tell you, as I made my way through this process and through the through the interview process and then putting all of this wisdom together mm -hmm. into those eight pillars, it's amazing how they all fit together like such a beautiful puzzle. They, they all sort of feed off of one another, which is, you know, trust and then communication and within communication is shut your mouth and open your ears and listen, which is in insanely powerful thing. If you listen to someone else, you're not assuming as a leader and then there's delegation. Are you a micromanager? Because if you're a micromanager, you're probably leading with insecurity. Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, told me in the book, he said, you know, that, that if you're an uber high achiever and uber driven, there's an inclination that if it's not getting done by the people you charged with getting it done to your liking, there's an inclination I'll just do it myself. But that's not the best way in a lot of cases. And so there's all, you know, and then there's, there is crisis management, there's self-evaluation, there's evolution. There's all of these different kind of pillars of leadership that all fit into that puzzle and, and that make a great leader. And it's, it was just a fascinating journey. But communication, being able to reach them on their level is vital because no two people process information the same way and at the same rate. So it's very important that you have communication with each person that is digestible and then it's repetitive so that it becomes habit. And you don't treat everybody the same. You treat everybody fairly. And so all of those lessons and all of that intentional wisdom is in the book. And I'm so grateful they all gave me the time. Uh, Marty Smith uh, with us. We appreciate him giving us time here today. Uh, the evolution part of that seems to be most fascinating because there is a need to, to – 
roll with the punches and, and move along with the times, yet keep your your core principles. How did these figures, who are again are all championship coaches, Mac Brown in this state, Saban, Doc Rivers, Calipari, I mean the list it's a who's who, Roy Williams, Dabo. Uh how how do you how did you feel like you learned about how they not only evolve but also keep the core principles? That seems like it can be a challenge. It's definitely, it's been quite an evolutionary process for each of them, especially the coaches of great tenure, because when Nick Saban started, when Max started, when Roy started, when Izzo started, it was, I tell you to do something and you do it because of the title. I am your coach. I am your leader. It's an authority position and you're going to do what I say. I'm 47 years old. I grew up, if my daddy or my mama told me to do something, I did it. I didn't question them. I'd have got backhanded if I did. So these days, all the young people want the why. And I don't care what path we're talking about here. Izzo told me he wanted the Vince Lombardi principle run through that brick wall. And back then they ran through the brick wall because Coach Lombardi told them to. These days, Coach Izzo said the goal is still to get through the brick wall, but they want the why they're running through the brick wall. So you have to evolve in such a way that reaches them on their level. And it's not just communication. It's so many different – like, it's something as fundamental as the X's and O's of football. It used to be line up in the wishbone offense, run the option, and get three yards, three yards, three yards, mm -hmm. three yards. And now, look what happened. It's now all RPO, wide open, spread offenses where they're slinging the ball all over the pond 60 times a game. So – it's fundamental in your respective business to evolve. It's classic Eckhart Tolle. If you do not evolve, you die. Kirby Smart said that to me in the book. And so, yeah, it's been a challenge. It's been a real challenge. I mean, going back to delegation a minute and evolution, they're, they're intertwined. Kirby told me he did not become a championship head football coach until he learned to delegate. He micromanaged mm -hmm. for the first several years of his head coaching life. Then he learned to delegate, and here we are, back-to-back -back national champions in Athens, Georgia. You know, uh, it, it seems like, and I always tend to try to turn to people that are much, much smarter than I am, and it's not difficult to do to get their insight into something, uh, be it an interview, be it something, a decision, what have you. With these head coaches, there's a buck stopped with me, but how much of them did you find are willing to – you know, maybe hire the person on their staff who is smarter than they are? Well, a lot of them, and those exact words were used. I mean, Calipari, you know, John Calipari used those exact words with me. I want to hire people that are smarter than I am. Tom Izzo also said the same thing. Uh, Christian Horner is the team principal for Red Bull Formula One, and I was asking him about micromanagement. He said, in this world, you hire someone because they're elite, because they're very intelligent and you got to let them do the job and if they don't live up to that standard you fire them i mean this is the elite this is the top this is the pinnacle mm -hmm. and you just have to because they are ceos they have to look at their businesses in a macro perspective because what do they do every day it is hiring firing it is budgeting it is human resources it is crisis management in the college football world, if the number one ten women's tennis recruit in America is visiting Alabama, that young lady wants to meet who? Nick Saban. Right. So he has so much going on. Getting in the granular, microscopic nuance of game planning, just it, anymore, it doesn't look at Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. He finally handed the play calling off this season to Bobby Petrino. They're 4-1 right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. 
and the buyout talk has ended. <laughs> it's absurd. For now, for brother. Now. For now. <laughs> uh, Marty, a real honor. This was tremendous. Uh, Sideline CEO, you can pick it up. Uh, Amazon.com, wherever you buy books. Uh, follow Marty on Twitter at Mar- or X at Marty Smith ESPN. Uh, Marty, thank you. Continued success. We appreciate the time greatly. So grateful again for the platform. I really appreciate it. And I live at Lake Norman. I'm a North Carolina guy. So love our state, brother. Thank yeah. you for the time. Thank you, Marty. Take care. There he goes, Marty Smith. Uh, and again, the book, Sideline CEO, is uh, available uh, wherever you buy or download your favorite books. Time out. We'll come back, wrap the show up right after this. And now... The stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Okay, no music coming back. That's all right. Uh, We are uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, The uh, Rangers just shut out the Rays uh, to uh, take a 1-0 lead in that wild card series. And uh, Minnesota... And the Blue Jays happening uh, right now. There'll be two more games tonight. It's October baseball. It's the best kind of baseball. Uh, 3-0 is now the uh, Twins over the uh, Jays in that one. All right. uh, We are going to be wrapping it up for the day here in just a bit. Thanks to Brian North. uh, Excellent summation of this uh, situation in New Bern. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of question, you know, comments from people because the news channels in the market are trying to make hay of this story and get the engagement that they want on social media and all that. And the thing is, you've got to uh, understand, as North expertly pointed out, there's a lot of gray area in this situation. Uh, there's no specific rules, and this is not a high school athletic association handing this down. This is coming from the uh, Craven County Board of uh, Education. So it it just seems like there's a real axe to grind somewhere, and uh, we'll see how this winds up. I I don't think we're at the end of this story yet, Um, and I don't think we're at a resolution either where it may finish up. Uh, Marty Smith's book, Sideline CEO. Uh, William, I was going to give it to you, but Trent McGee on sports has called it. So I'm going to pass it on to McGee. Maybe he'll pass it on to you after... uh, after you, uh, uh, after he reads through it, uh, our big announcement earlier in the show Thursday, Holton Nailers will be with us, and it looks like that's going to be a ten o'clock video broadcast, and uh, we'll have it for you in the five o'clock hour here on the radio on ninety four three The Game. So that uh, is part of what's coming up on Thursday. Tomorrow, Doug Martin will talk about the Pirates. We'll talk uh, college football. I may even get into a little bit of uh, Bryce Young with uh, Doug tomorrow. So that is coming up. Thanks to Marty Smith. Thanks to uh, Brian North. Thanks to Philip Pilkington and intern William. See you in the morning on Talk of the Town uh, at 7 a.m., 103.7, 96.3, and then back here on 94.3, the game at 5 o'clock for the PJ Show on Wednesday. Have a great evening, everybody. Street Hardware is the home of the $9 